With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BS in Denver podcast network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world. And if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. And we roll McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Starting you off with a little death, drugs, and double cross. By my man Kyle Turley. Check that out. That's him on the uh, lead singing and the guitar playing right here. We're going to have Kyle on the show a little bit later to talk about Neuro XPF and talk about NFL rap and the Rams and the Broncos and whatnot. Check this out. Pretty badass. Death, drugs, double cross. Little Kyle Turley for that ass. Welcome to McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Matt McChesney, coming to you from Six Zero Studios here at Six Zero Strength. We call this place the Bridge. It is truly that. Uh, we will get you to the next level if you want to put in the work. A um, couple offers over the weekend from Utah, CSU, Penn State, guys at Michigan. Jeez, uh, quarterbacks getting offered. We had about 20 guys up at CSU this last weekend, running back out at BYU. Bunch of guys going out on the recruiting trip and trailed this weekend. Um, and look, man, I, I'm pretty frustrated with the state of Colorado. Unfortunately, this uh, the, the, the state thinks that a lot of people think that they can just pay for stuff and, and get results, and you really have to just maximize and earn. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it will get better as people keep working. So hopefully guys just keep working. That's all you can really do. Um, I'm pretty hard-nosed and uh, make mistakes just like everybody else, and they sure do seem to get held over my head uh, a lot more than every, anybody else in the community. Maybe it's because I don't go to church or I'm not part of the boys' club. I'm not really sure, but... Don't make mistakes in this bubble because people will persecute you for it. But, look, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and trying to help as many kids as I can. Um, and if you're an adult or an ex-player or somebody else out there that's considered my competition and all you want to do is tear me down, that's your right. Uh, but you don't know shit about me. So, you know, it is what it is. I doubt you would say anything to my fucking face when we saw each other. So, all right, moving on. <clears throat> McChesney Unchained, uh, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to get straight into um, talking about, you know, a lot of different things. Um, this is episode 11, by the way. Remember, you can follow the show at BSN Unchained on Twitter and at Six Zero Strength on Twitter and Instagram for myself. Uh, Kyle Turley is going to join us here in a little bit to talk about the NFL rap 
And uh, he played for the Rams, so we'll talk about the Rams and the Broncos. And, of course, his product, NeuroXPF. Uh, go to NeuroXPF.com and check this, that out. All right, so right off the bat, we'll talk about the bus and get that out of the way. Um, I didn't feel very confident about this, and that's what, what you saw on Saturday night is why. First of all, the game starting it that late was just killing me. I mean, I, I was trying to stay awake in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it is what it is. I'm glad that we were on. But, it, you know, that game's on at midnight on the East Coast, essentially. So nobody on the East Coast gets to see Chanel. Um I got a problem with the game plan. I did not like the game plan. I don't like the fact that – just listen to this stat. And I'm not a huge stat guy. You know, I, I think that some numbers are very telling. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm battling a little bit of a cold here. That's what West Nile virus will do to you. Some numbers are very telling, and some numbers are just shit and don't really mean anything – but, you know, at one point in the game, 47% of the offense originated behind the line of scrimmage. That means with screen passes or, you know, uh, anything that we're trying to do, you know, everything seems lateral and everything seems to happen behind the line of scrimmage. And when you're playing a fast, athletic football team, that is the exact opposite of what you have to do, in my opinion, to be successful. I don't find it, uh, you know, it's not – Put it like this. The one time that they lined up in Wildcat and did it correctly and ran right at USC, they scored a 60-yard touchdown. You can't play lateral against fo- good football teams. If they go to, t- to Seattle and try and play lateral like this, Seattle's going to – or Washington's going to beat them by 50. So the Buffs are still ranked. They're 25th in the country. Um, they're 6-1. and one. They're having a great year. You know, one loss to USC, it doesn't ruin anything for me. Uh, I didn't think that they were going to be in the Pac-12 title game this year anyway, so anything, if they, if they can get there, then awesome. But right now they're sitting second in the south. USC's got the, got, the, uh, got the division by the balls, and they earned it. I mean, it, I'm not going to say that CU look intimidated because I didn't think they look intimidated at all. I thought the defense showed up and played really well when Drew Lewis is getting a pick early. You know, Evan Worthington played his ass off number six. I thought Nick Fisher played really well. Um, Pittman Jr. was a problem, and he'll be a problem on Sundays. Uh, but when they when the USC comes out and they give you two interceptions on the plus side of the 50 and you get absolutely dick out of it, it's really hard to beat USC in the Coliseum. <clears throat> it's really hard to beat them in the Coliseum. Anyway, uh, Clay Helton's undefeated there. But if you're going to gift them uh, opportunities – when you don't take advantage of the ones they gift you, then I'm sorry to say this, but you kind of deserve to lose. The, the bus lost by 11. Half of their offensive plays were behind the line of scrimmage, and then you know USC had a ton of TFLs. Um, I didn't see the same kind of belief I've seen in the other five games when they were 5-0. and um, I don't think that they're a bad football team by any means. I think they're a really good team. I think they're the best team other than USC in the South, and until we can beat USC, you know, I really hate them right now, but until we can beat them, I can't really say a damn thing. We've never beaten them. I didn't beat them the two times I played them in college, and we haven't beat them since we got into the Pac-12, so we need to climb that mountain. Hopefully, we can get them next year in Folsom, and hopefully, they stub their toe again so um, so we can, you know, go take advantage of that and, and go hopefully beat Washington and Seattle, although that is a very, very, very uh, tall task, extremely tall task. So where where do the bus go from here? You've got to win this game in Seattle. And I understand it's difficult. I don't think that they can go to Washington and win, although 
Uh, they always play Washington tough. Uh, I watched the Washington Oregon game um, Saturday, and it was a hell of a contest. Jake Browning is is a good player, not a great one, but Washington's defense is really, really good. And I will say this: if you look at Oregon, Oregon did exactly what you need to do in order to beat Washington: just run the football down their throat the entire game, the entire game, not for a quarter, not for a half. The entire damn game. And because because they did that, um, I thought that it, it gave them an opportunity to win the football game, which they did in overtime. Um, we're going to talk about the fact that Mr. Elway and uh, Matt Russell were at the Oregon-Washington game watching uh, Justin Herbert and um, Jake Browning play. And we'll get into what I think about the Broncos here in a minute. So, the Buffs, they have a lot of work to do. Uh, this is a huge football game for them. Going to Seattle next week. I think that they can go up there and win, but it's going to be a tall task, and we'll talk about it later in the week when we preview them after the Bronco game on Friday. Um, you know, We'll wrap up the Broncos on Thursday there. Uh you know, the, the rest of the country set it up for CU to jump big time if they would have stayed undefeated. They'd probably be in the top 10, honestly. Iowa State beat West Virginia at home 30-14. to 14. That was a – you know, Iowa State is pretty good. Matt Campbell's got them rolling. He, they're 3-3. Three and three. I don't think that they're a bad football team at all. I think they're actually a pretty damn good team. They're going to give some teams some problems in the Big 12 moving forward. And last year they beat Oklahoma. This year they beat West Virginia. They still got Texas and Oklahoma. So Iowa State's a good football team. They're a matchup nightmare. And they're, they're going to knock somebody else off in the Big 12. So good win by Iowa State taking out West Virginia. Greer, the quarterback for West Virginia, didn't look very comfortable. He got sacked a bunch. South Florida stays undefeated, beating Tulsa by a point. Uh, Iowa rocked Indiana 42-16. 40 points by the Hawkeyes is... Impressive. They're, they're a pro-style offense. I like the fact that their quarterback's under center as much as he is. Ohio State, you know, they struggled with Minnesota to, to a point, but then their talent and just the fact that they're better overcame that. Florida and Vanderbilt was a high-intensity, high-passion football game. Vandy jumped up on them, and then Florida took it over, one by 10, 37-27. I thought we were going to have a bench-clearing brawl in that game. I thought Pittsburgh, who always gives Notre Dame fits, I thought that they were going to get the Irish in uh, South Bend, but Notre Dame ended up pulling it out 19-14. to uh, Pittsburgh, those uniforms they were wearing are so damn clean. I don't know why you don't rock those all the time. I love their philosophy, good defense and hard nose, ass-kicking football, but when it comes down to it and you need some points, they can't throw it, so they got to figure that out. Uh, Michigan State, the Jacqueline Hyde Spartans uh, go into Happy Valley and beat Penn State again. Penn State, second year in a row, they've lost to Ohio State and Michigan State in back-to-back weeks. Michigan State wins 21-17. to The battle of Michigan is this weekend. Michigan and Michigan State play on Saturday. I always love watching that game, especially after Mike Hart came out years ago and said, you know, this is what we do to our little brother. And after he said that, Michigan State's been whipping that ass since. Uh, Texas got all they could handle from Baylor, win 23-17. Texas A&M got all they could handle from South Carolina, only one by three, 26-23. That's why I love conference football, man. All these games are so tight. The teams know each other so well, and then you really get to see what you're made of. LSU beat Georgia. I, I, I told you they would, and they did, and they handled them 36-16. to Georgia is a good team, not a great one. Uh, they got to figure some of their stuff out, and they got a hell of a road in front of them to see if they can get back to the playoff. I don't think they will. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Florida beats them this weekend in the uh, world's biggest cocktail party. We'll see about that. I'll preview that for you on Saturday. Oregon and Washington was an unbelievably good game. Oregon beat them in overtime. Oh, boy. Alabama got a win. Michigan uh, wiped the floor with Wisconsin. Wisconsin's not as good as I thought they were. Um, you know, it, it, college football is shaping out to really, really, really be good at the end of the season. There's going to be some massive matchups. Ohio State-Michigan looks like it's going to be for the East if Michigan and Ohio State can keep winning. Um, this this could be a preview of the Pac-12 title game this weekend when Washington and CU play, if USC can stumble uh, down the road. So there's a lot of football in front, uh, in front of the Buffaloes and a lot of football in front of everybody else in college football. So don't be discouraged, but things have got to get better. And I'm sure that Coach Shiverini, Coach Adams, Coach Mack will look at that opportunity as an opportunity missed. I think they missed an opportunity to beat USC. They gifted them two turnovers early that were not taken advantage of. The lateral offense didn't really – I didn't like it. And the, the minute that they went you know, north and south on USC, they scored. I wouldn't be angry at CU if they lined up in 22 and like 32 or 23 personnel and just hammered people with a lot of motion, especially when you're playing a team that may be more athletic than you and a little bit faster. Definitely not sideline to sideline. But, look, it didn't work. That doesn't mean it won't work in the future. And it definitely has worked uh, up to this point. So I'm not going to be too hard on them. But we do have to find a way to beat USC. All right. So uh, we're going to go straight into the Wearman Warrior of the Weekend. Now, look, I'm going to do two people here. The Wearman Warriors of the Weekend. Remember, you can go to wearbands.com. Uh, my man, Dan Schreiber, has got a great product. If you type in 6020, you'll get a 20% discount on it. For lateral athletes, anybody that pushes off the inside of their foot, so football, basketball, boxing, tennis, baseball, everything. Um, it's an unbelievable training system that promotes explosion, dorsiflexion of the toe, uh, proper cycle of, of, of your legs. It forces your knee to really drive and forces you to stay tall and erect through your core, activate your core while you're working out, forces you to stay tall through your chest. I love the system. I make my guys wear it and use it here at 6-0. So go on wearbands.com and check it out. The Wearband Warriors, all right, is number one, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, after what I saw last night, that was nuts. We're going to talk about it here in a second. But I'm telling you, if you give that guy a chance, he's going to take it. And he looked like the highest-played player in football. And I can't really – I can't be mad at San Francisco for how they played it. I just respect greatness. San Francisco could have won that game and should have. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers did what he does. So he's the first wearband warrior. And then the other wearband warriors, unfortunately, are the Jets' offensive line and the Rams' offensive line. 593 fucking yards rushing against the Broncos in the last two weeks. Now, I understand that you may think that, yeah, well, hey, that, well, why are you talking shit about Well, because they gave up 593 yards. So the other side of the ball, the Warriors on the O-line for the Jets and the Warriors on the O-line for the Rams are, are winning. So 593 yards, that's an NFL record for the 100 years the NFL has been around and the 60-plus years that the Broncos have. So that's pretty damn depressing. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, so this is your Neuro Armor, or excuse me, your Neuro XPF wrap uh, of the NFL week number six. Um, remember, go on neuroxpf.com, type in 6015, and you'll get a 15% discount. Uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is this month as well. Uh, Survivor is the promo code there, and you'll get another 15% discount as well. All right, so we're going to bring my man Kyle Turley on here. Uh, you can follow Kyle on social media. Kyle and his wife Stacy created 
neuroxpf.com, and it's an unbelievably good product. I uh, highly recommend that you check it out. Um, the website is neuroxpf.com. Remember, 6015 will get you a discount. I take it every day, and I think it's an amazing product. So Kyle played for nine years, played a lot with the Rams, so we're going to get his feedback on Broncos Rams here a little bit uh, and talk about the state of the NFL and what NeuroXPF could do for you and why you should invest in this product. So Mr. Kyle Turley joins us here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. And it is my pleasure to bring my brother from another mother on McChesney Unchained here on 6-0 Studios at 6-0 Strength and Fitness, uh, the owner and the inventor, I should say, of NeuroXPF.com, an unbelievably great product that we sell here at 6-0 Strength, and we're trying to push all over the front range, a CBD-based recovery product that we're going to elaborate here with with Mr. Kyle Turley, who joins us. Uh, remember, you can follow Kyle on Twitter, at Kyle Turley. Um, nine-year NFL vet with the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs. KT, what's up, brother? How you doing on this early morning? I'm great, brother. Appreciate you having me on. No problem, man. It's it's great to have you on as well. We started the uh, the show off with a little death, drugs, and double cross uh, for from your uh, from your LP. So hopefully everybody's rocking that today too. Appreciate it. That that stuff gets me going. Run through a wall. All right. So right off the bat, man, I want to you know the the Neuro XPF is a product that we have on the shelves here at Six Zero. It's something I take every day. Um, the liquid gels and the muscle rub are two of my favorites. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But just right off the bat, our audience, you know, the, the dispensaries I've gone to here on the front range, people I've talked to in the CBD, THC business for recovery, they've never seen anybody combine, you know, the CBD and the, the athletic aspect of this to try and help athletes and athletic people specifically. And just explain to the audience a little bit about the neuroproductive and anti-inflammatory benefits of the CBD in NeuroXPF. Well, um, you know, the, I, I, I named the company, uh, we talked about it before, uh, you know, NeuroArmor. Um, and uh, we filed for all our, all our paperwork and everything. NeuroXPF had to come about because we sold too much product because uh, this stuff is working. And um, we got on the radar of Under Armour. So changed the name to uh, Neuro XPF, Extreme Performance Fuel, because this is an extreme conversation, extreme time. We're in an unbelievable situation here where we don't have answers for things. And what I found in CBD and doing a little bit of research, uh, you know, everybody's got these smartphones, but they don't seem to use them to get smarter. Uh, you know, I, some people do, and uh, I, I choose to do that. And uh, so I, I went to the National Institute of Health.org's website, NIA.gov, and I started looking up everything there was about CBD, about uh, cannabis, cannabinoids, and all this stuff that we're hearing about in the uh, uh, media today about this plant that we've been told makes our brains into fried eggs. And uh, what I discovered is that the United States government and every other government around the world has only patented one substance uh, for a neuroprotectant, and that is cannabinoids, cannabis, period, marijuana, and the entire plant, in fact. And so that delved me into more research and uh, discovered that this is the only true neuroprotectant, the only thing that has ever shown in any study, whether that's a blind study, a human study, an animal study, anything in the world, the only thing that has ever shown the ability to protect neurological function, uh, capabilities, uh, uh, stop brain bleeding, so, uh, immediately introduced after uh, brain impact on, on animal studies that have been published. Uh, has, the results have been unbelievable to these scientists and how much power this has to 
save lives. And that's gone a bit even further here in the States, where uh, UCLA did a study of almost 500 young adults uh, because they figured they'd get these numbers here in Southern California with young adults to uh, understand how this impacts traumatic brain injury. And then they, uh, in this study, they found that over 80% um, of these uh, in, uh, young adults that, that came in with traumatic brain injury situations uh, survived, did not have to have surgeries, did not go into comas, uh, and, and survived. These traumatic brain injuries are very serious. And uh, those who did not test positive for cannabis in their system, and that's THC in this study now because they don't test for CBD, um, they found that it was a, a black and white uh, uh, converse in that the those who didn't test for anything, any cannabis in their system either died, had multiple brain surgeries, or were in comas. These numbers are staggering. And uh, so the reality is, is there. The science is there. And uh, our government has chosen to patent it as a neuroprotectant. So I, 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 I intend to continue to expose this. Um, as as my main goal, um, it is amazing for pain. It's amazing for anxiety, stress, all these other things, because of what it does for your brain, and it helps to regulate that better than anything. The great Kyle Turley joins us here on McChesney Unchained. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Turley on Twitter or at NeuroXPF on Twitter as well and Instagram. Uh, NeuroXPF is sold here on the shelves at Six Zero Strength. Um, one thing that I always run into is, well, what separates this from that, Matt? Why neuro XPF rather than another CBD I can get at a dispensary? And I, I really think that the athletic aspect of this and the neuroprotectant you were just talking about is really what sets it apart. If you could elaborate on that a little bit before we start talking about the Rams and Broncos, I'd appreciate sure. it. So go go down that path, too. Sure. What, what separates it and sets it apart from all the other CBDs out there is that we go the extra length to prove the worth in just CBD alone and give the ease and, and peace of mind to the athlete out there that you're not going to test positive on a drug test. CBD today and any other brand outside of NeuroXPF is allotted a, and we are too, but we go the extra mile to take it out. You're allotted a 0.3 ratio of THC to stay within your product. You can uh, achieve THC extractions from, uh, and there is THC in the hemp plant as well. It's at uh, minimal levels, but it's still there and it concentrates, uh, can test a person positive, and it has done so. Uh, and that's where this dilemma lies still because of this uh, you know, status by the federal government um, on cannabis and the testing standards uh, that are out there that are just a roller coaster. None of it makes sense. The NFL is at 35 nanograms. Uh, if you drive a truck, you're at 15 nanograms, so you can't even be around, you can't even sniff it. Uh, you know, you can't get uh, anybody be near you. Uh, well, the program is the most, the, the program just forces guys down other roads. Exactly. It doesn't do anything exactly. to help anyone. You know, so what separates us is that we've produced a fully THC-free opportunity uh, for all athletes, you know, because my intent is to uh, actually get this to the kids. This is about the kids and the neuroprotective aspects of CBD and just the overall uh, protective aspects of CBD in regards to your immune system and your central nervous system uh, demands this is in, this be in football now. You know, we made some great partnerships with groups like Pylon 7 on 7 that have opened uh, the doors to us to get, you know let people 
know about this, um, and uh, uh, I, I'm continuing to work with other uh, you know, youth uh, football organizations to expose this because if we can get this to the youth, the science says we can stop CTE. And that's what I'm doing here, bro. I mean, every single one of my guys that walks in this room, whether it's Ron Leary, Sam Jones, Connor McGovern, Billy Turner, you know, Mike Pinnell, Ryan Jensen, to the high school kids that are going to play, to the guys that are still just trying to get better, every one of them. Check this out. You've got to really do your research. Don't don't be stupid and just assume. Don't don't sit here and listen to somebody else's opinion. Read up on it. Do your research and 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 maximize the product. And it's. I mean, it is flying off the shelf here, and people love the, the, the product so far. So I'm really excited about the future of it, and thank you so much for being the point of the spear here, bro. No, man, thank you for the island and the opportunity to you know, get it to the people. That's what it's about. Um, and, 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 you know, this is, this, is, this is God here, in my opinion. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, people throw around in sports. Um, you know, we take the knee in the end zone, but, uh, you know, our, uh, if you believe in, the, in something that, that gave you a purpose here on this planet, then there's a purpose to this planet. It speaks about it widely. Uh, and uh, people really need to understand that uh, we, we need to start listening to what has been put here for us, you know, just like football. It's been put here for us. It was put here for me. It was put here for you. And for whatever reason, we've gone through this journey, and some of us have been a part of these eras that have been affected unbelievably. You know, people like to say that, uh, oh, these are random incidents. Oh, Junior Sale here, Steve Gleason there, you know, this, that, the other. Well, guess what? Those are all my really good friends. And uh, so many more of those names that people don't really understand, and even still today, and the problems that we have. We have a suicide rate. We have. Uh, Alzheimer's rate, Parkinson's rate, uh, dementia rate. We have an ALS rate that's off the charts above national average. Not, not to mention the opioid crisis. Exactly. And then the opioid crisis, which is the biggest crime of all and that we got sucked into. You know, And I don't want that to happen to my son or anybody else. Me either, brother. Strength. And it's why I pushed the product so hard. I had a five-level back fusion five years ago. They put me on 80 milligram Oxycontin. And they're like, here, take these. Nothing bad will happen. And four years later, I'm still seeing a pain management specialist. So this yeah. product is, is, is helping me get off opioids, thank God, and, and transition to a different uh, kind of, of maintenance. Uh, and I look, all athletes, my man Ron Leary just tore his Achilles on, on uh, Sunday against the Rams. We're going to talk about that here in a second. And the first thing I said to him was, brother, let me bring you some of this. And I know it's not going to help initially, but it'll help you recover quickly. Oh, so. And it does. It does immediately. And that's the power of CBD. Your body needs cannabinoids. You have a cannabinoid system. All those synthetic medications were designed to be our synthetic versions of cannabinoids, ironically. There's already cannabinoids in your system, naturally. Well, it's the system that regulates everything in your body. And so these synthetic medications, whether it's Vicodin, Percocets, tabs, and all these other things that they throw out there, muscle relax, any inflammatory, sleep aids, what have you. They don't just go in your, in, your, in your mouth and down your stomach and then go right to the place where you need it. They go in your system, they get through it, they get in your blood, and they go where? To your brain. And what do those things have to speak to? They have to speak, and they're designed to speak, to your cannabinoid system, ironically. These doctors don't tell you that. You can go into your doctor right now in the next appointment and start asking them about these medications that they prescribe and 
where where are they going? Where's the connection here? Because your brain is what sends these receptors to uh, heal your body. If you're if you cut yourself, your body he- heals it because your brain recognizes there's a op- uh, problem and it goes to fix it. Your, your your skin and all these other things because if you got a cut doesn't just automatically fix itself. It's your brain is in control, and uh, the cannabinoid system is the foundation of that and it's just unfortunate that they just uh, failed to inform us as to how our bodies actually work well that's why you're here brother the uh the point of the spear mr kyle turley and neuro xpf changing the future of medicine when it comes to helping uh all athletes but specifically uh collision athletes fighters and football players uh recover from such a strenuous game and and give them a different avenue to go down uh from a recovery standpoint so check out neuroxpf.com use the promo code six zero for a 15 percent discount or survivor to uh, support breast cancer awareness this month and follow my man kyle turley at kyle turley on twitter and instagram he's a great follow and very uh proactive in his uh in his uh journey to to change the way this stuff is done all right so kt played for the Rams I know you're diehard you live down there in Southern California now I know your 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 sons are Rams fans what did you think of the the Bronco Ram game the other day the 23-20 Ram win and Todd Gurley piping them for 208 and if you're an offensive lineman for the Cardinals and you've seen the Broncos give up 593 yards rushing in two weeks what exactly are you doing this week to get ready for Thursday night um, you know, everything you can, you know, the game, I mean, you know, everybody's got an opportunity every Sunday, uh, you know, the national football league, people like to say, oh, call it best. Alabama could beat the worst NFL team. Like, Not a shot you know, in hell. You're going to get murdered, you know, beat by 50. Uh, yeah. We, we, they would tell you where they're going to run the play and you're still going to get murdered. Um, you know, so the NFL is the NFL, and right now the Rams are hot and, uh, I'm excited. You know, I grew up a Rams fan. Uh, I have a picture of myself. Uh, that I posted before. Uh, I'm in the same football stance uh, with a Rams helmet on as I made the cover of Sports Illustrated with uh, playing for the Rams in the NFL. And, uh, you know, so my mom grew up in Orange County when the Rams were here in Southern California uh, and uh, all my uncles and everything. So Rams was in my blood. And uh, they had the opportunity to play for them was just a dream come true. Unfortunately, it didn't last as long as I wanted it. I was hoping to retire there, in fact. Well, I was hoping to retire with the Saints. But you know how those things go in business. And I uh, made my way to the Rams uh, uh, as God saw fit. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because I'm back in Southern California and the Rams are killing it. And we've got a new stadium that's about to come online. But I'll tell you the thing of why they're continuing to put the gas on people. And that's because they got back and why they put 205 on your boys. They got back Jamal Brown, number 68, okay? And he was suspended for the first four games, and that team rallied around him and, and the rest of the guys in the National Football League. But this team rallied around this kid's suspension for using cannabis. And so ridiculous. We saw the results of that message sent. And one of their uh, younger offensive linemen trying to make his way you know, on the team got just recently a bad DUI. Uh, from drinking the team's beer, you know, and, uh, you know, these logos are on these cans. And so, you know, what's happening is, is they've got Jamal Brown back, and that old line is just, just mowing dudes down. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're a veteran group. They've been together, and uh, with Brown back, uh, I just think that, uh, you know, 
you know, they're on their way, man, to potentially being the first team that uh, have had to have a, a young quarterback like that, uh, you know, really push to the Super Bowl since uh, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I think the Rams are on a on a quick path to Atlanta. I mean, they are. Jared Goff, I feel like, like McVay just kind of let Jared Goff throw play action to set up the run. They did it a ton. I mean, Gertley didn't get a carry until six minutes in the first quarter, and he ended with 28 and 208. So McVay is just a, a genius. Let me ask your, your opinion on something real quick. With the current state of the NFL and the struggles that defensive-minded head coaches, some of them, are having, guys that don't have quarterbacks are good OCs, I guess, um, would you, if you had a young quarterback, would you ever hire a defensive-minded head coach to help that kid? Uh, <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, again, so why in the hell does it keep happening? Uh, you know, uh, it, coaching is an incestuous occupation, and uh, – you know, I like it's, that. A, it's a hard occupation that that as well. So it's just, it's just a good, kind of a good old. It's the last good old boy system of the NFL that really hasn't been addressed. I mean, they they uh, you know, they don't allow ex players to really have the opportunity to come in and coach. You know, they want you to go through the ropes like they did because you know they they had to coach junior college and then they went to college and then they they did this step that step you know if you try to get an nfl job right now they wouldn't pay you anything they, they'd make you just uh, grovel and well, copy and bitch and stuff yeah, yeah go, go make know, some copies I mean, and get some coffee and some donuts exactly you know and so that you know that's where the game gets lost is that they don't re- they don't go back to the to the veterans and really give us the opportunity to help them and they just kind of you know uh spread around their buddies <laughs> at the end of the good day, old boys you, know, you got Look at look at Matt Trish up there. I mean, he's a head coach. Now. Come on, really? You know, <laughs> Sean McVay. Sean McVay, that's great. Now we want success. A head coach though? at thirty-two, oh, man. killing it. You know, there's there's a lot of guys out there. My boy Jerry Fontenot was on his way, and uh, uh, you know, sixteen, seventeen-year vet center knows the game. You know, like anybody, better than anybody, up there killing it with the Packers and. Uh, you know, ends up uh, getting fired because uh, you know he, he's disrupting to the uh, you know, he's calling out these other coaches and going, "What the hell, you guys, you guys suck." Yeah, they don't like that. No, they don't. You know, and uh, it's unfortunate. You know, that's my my take on it. All right. Well, we'll see if the Rams can uh, can end up in the Super Bowl. I know you'd be pumped for that. That was a hell of a game on Sunday between the Rams and the Broncos. All right. We got ten questions here from my man Kyle Turley. Remember, you can follow Kyle on on Instagram and Twitter at Kyle Turley, and then follow uh, NeuroXPF at NeuroXPF. Remember to go on the website and get a fifteen percent discount by typing in promo code six zero. All right. Real quick. Number one: Metallica or Pantera? Pantera. Mayo or Miracle Whip? Mayo. Ugh. Most hated college football team. Who's your rival at San Diego State? Shoot, uh, uh, BYU. BYU. Sure. Hate BYU. That's fair. They're yeah. 50-year-old freshmen, so it's real easy to hate them. Uh, best player you ever played with, pro or college? Uh, best player ever played with, pro or college? Jeez. Player. Golly, you know that's hard. That's yeah, hard I know. That's why I'm asking. Player. Best player. Overall player. Man. Um... Cow, brother, I—that's a Marshall I Falk. That one. Uh, I guess overall, I mean, he's a—he's 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 a great skill position player. You know, I mean, the best players are the Our guys big guys. Who, I don't know, man, <laughs> the guys up front. I'm a bit partial. I mentioned Jerry Fontenot's name. I—I I, I was a rookie. I would have never been able to have 
you know, beat up Warren Sapper and these other guys as a rookie coming out of San Diego State if I didn't know what I was doing. Well, then Jerry Font knows the answer. The centers, man. The centers, period. I love those guys. Hard-nosed ass kickers. Matt Burke was always one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, best defensive there. lineman you ever played against? Randall Smith, Reggie White, who? Uh, you know, Strahan probably had animal. Package, had the total package, you know. If you could eat uh, eat dinner with anybody dead or alive, eat dinner with anybody dead or alive. A dube and dinner with anybody dead or alive. Um, man, that's another good one. You know, everybody wants to say Jesus and all. And not uh, me, John Wayne. A lot of dudes, <laughs> uh, a lot of people. I, I don't know, man. Uh. uh Oh. Dime bag? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, you know, I'd love to have my boys back. Uh, I'd love to find out the truth. I'd love to uh, have a dinner with George Washington to oh. see what, the hell, what, what was about to happen. Yeah, you know, for real. Yeah, that's that's a lot awesome. Of speculation on that. And the last one. All right, uh, when the Jets. Uh, we're playing the Saints back in the day, and they grabbed Aaron Brooks's uh, face mask and ripped his head backwards. What went through your head when you ripped his helmet off and threw it? Because <laughs> that was my favorite moment in NFL history. <laughs> my, my, well, what went through my head was uh, that, damn it, I, the face mask got caught into my finger and my gloves with all that tape madness from being a lineman, and uh, it's flying off to the side. It's not going down the center of the field to where I intended to throw it, and hopefully his head was in it. And landed on the uh, Florida Lee in the in the fifty yard line of the Superdome, so he'd have to walk his punk ass out there and go get it. I love it, man. The great Kyle Turley joins us here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. KT, thank you very much, brother. And stay thank up you. and keep being the point of the spear there for NeuroXPF. Thank you, brother. You know it, brother. Yeah, you're right. Appreciate Later. It. And that was Mr. Kyle Turley here on the Denver Podcast Network on bsn.com. Uh, this is McChesney Unchained. I am your host, Matt McChesney. Great interview with Mr. Kyle Turley. Remember to go to neuroxpf.com and check out the product, and you'll get a 15% discount at 60 uh, the, with the promo code 60, S I X Z E R O. Okay, so uh, we talked a little bit about the Rams and the Broncos. We got his perspective. So let's go over this. The NFL wrap brought to you by neuroxpf.com. All right, number one. Uh, Minnesota and Arizona. I only talk about this game because, number one, Minnesota is kind of figuring it out. Number two, Arizona plays Denver on Thursday night. Minnesota gets the win at home, as we would expect. Um, They looked average doing it. I think Arizona plays hard, but they just don't have the pieces. They're starting a rookie quarterback. They've got some offensive line issues, notably their tackle. But they still have David Johnson, they still have Larry Fitzgerald, and Josh Rosen is going to be a stud. So I think that Arizona is going to get better, um, and I think that Thursday night's a pretty scary game if I'm the Broncos, in my opinion. Uh, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati, Pittsburgh ended up winning 28-21. Roethlisberger um, played well. Uh, the last play where Antonio Brown used the pick to get underneath the coverage and take off the holding call on Drake Kirkpatrick, it was holding. Um, but it is, you know, the refs seem to throw these flags. Oh man, how do I say this? The refs are very quick to throw a flag at the end of the game to change the outcome. And uh, did I think it was a pick play? Yeah, it was a pick play. Do I think Cincinnati initiated contact? Maybe. I still think it's a pick play. Do you, do I think you should be able to run that in the NFL? Um, not with everything else that the defense already doesn't get to do. It is so hard to play defense these days in the league, not only because of the speed on offense, 
I mean, just look at 11 from San Francisco last night. Good one. Good God, that guy's fast. I don't care what you do. You can play three deep over the top on him, and everybody covered 11, and he's still going to run by you. So if there's speed on the other side of the field, which everybody seems to have these days, they're going to exploit it. You can't touch anybody in the secondary or it's a penalty, so it's all mirror coverage, which is really difficult. Um, I don't like the fact that it's so controversial every weekend, but it is what it is. Le'Veon Bell... Didn't report. The Steelers are on their bye. He said he would report week seven. He didn't. Um, you know, Connor, the tailback there, has had three 100-yard rushing games. He's got seven touchdowns. I don't think that you remove him. He's your future at the running back position. Bell's not there. So, look, Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh is done. Where will he be next year? Who knows? Um, if I were him, I wouldn't even play this year at this point. If you're not going to report by week 10, he's not going to get credit for a season. Uh, Jacksonville goes to Dallas and gets absolutely shit-stomped 40-7. to uh, Jalen Ramsey, where are you at, bro? You're, you're, you're so quick to talk shit about everybody and ridicule everyone and say, this guy's sorry, that guy's sorry, because you don't think that your team can ever get beat because of the personnel and whatever. And now you in back-to-back weeks, Jacksonville's gotten just dealt with. Dealt with. Kansas City tore him up. Dallas tore him up. And he was talking shit about Dak Prescott, how he's terrible, and Cowboys have nobody at receiver, and Cole Beasley's just a little white guy, and he can't do anything, blah, 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 blah. After the game, Jalen Ramsey was nowhere to be found. When they did track him down, his... His responses were one word, and they were really short, and he didn't want to answer the questions. It reminded me a lot of Cam Newton after Super Bowl 50, really just like a like a little bitch mentality. You know, you're, you're man enough to talk shit, but you're not man enough to take it when you take it on the chin. Jacksonville's got to find an answer at quarterback. They are literally a quarterback and a, a good offensive game plan away from being dominant because their defense is really good, although they've been struggling. Blake Bortles is not the guy. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm trying to get Eli. I'm trying to get Teddy Bridgewater. I don't care. I'm on the phone with the Jets trying to get uh, Josh McCown. Anybody that can just come in and throw play-action passes efficiently and sit somewhere around 65% completion and not give up the rock and learn how to read a front and, and slide a protection. When Leonard Fournette comes back, maybe they start running the ball more. Last year, they were almost like 45 50% run. This year, they're at like 27%. It's because Fournette's out, but it's also because they're feeling themselves. <clears throat> I think the Broncos have a little bit of this problem, too, although they're not very good. So Dallas whips Jacksonville's ass. Jacksonville's in, in a jeopardy of not making the playoffs at 3-3, three and, three, and the, NFC, the AFC South is just not as good as I thought it was, although the Texans are roaring right now, but they are pretty inconsistent on offense. Uh, the Ravens shut out Tennessee at Tennessee 21 nothing. Um, they had 11 sacks. Marcus Mariota had 10 completions, and they sacked him 11 times. That's with two first-round tackles. And, look, Baltimore is scary good on defense. And we saw it here in Denver. They beat the shit out of the Broncos in that game. They went to Pittsburgh and handled them. Yes, they lost in Cleveland. This is the NFL. They're not going to go undefeated. They still held the Browns to 12 points. They held them under 10 the entire game. The offense just couldn't figure it out. Flacco had a bad day. If you catch the, the Ravens with Flacco having a bad day, you can beat them. If you catch the Ravens with Flacco on and they're going to score 28 points or 31 points or something like that, you're fucked. You're getting beat. Baltimore is a damn good team. They can rush the passer with four to five guys. They come from everywhere. They beat the shit out of Marcus Mariota. He wasn't even supposed to play. Blaine Gabbert was supposed to start the game because Mariota's so banged up. Blaine Gabbert was so banged up, he couldn't play, so they threw Mariota out there and served him up to the Wolves. I don't see Taylor Lewan talking about how much national attention Tennessee should be getting now in his super stupid fucking hat. I, look, Tennessee has got 
a lot of good players. I like their coach in Vrabel, but you can't go do this. 11 sacks? 11 in one game? I mean, I can't wait for the coaches tape to be up on the NFL app. Consequently, the top six this week is going to be crazy weird because the Broncos play Thursday, so I'll try and get it out to you tomorrow morning as fast as I can, or I might just wait and do both games together. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet, but we'll figure it out. Um, but it, look, the Baltimore, 11 sacks. I can't wait to watch it and see what they were doing because when you have 10 completions and 11 sacks and you're shut out at home, that's about as bad as it gets. So the Baltimore Ravens are real. Tennessee is in jeopardy of getting uh, the, the doors blowing off of them before they can even get to midseason to see if they're still a playoff caliber team. Last year they won in Kansas City, which is not easy to do in the playoffs. Uh, the Chargers whipped Cleveland's ass. Melvin Gordon went off. Phillip Rivers. You know, still great regular season quarterback, questionable postseason quarterback. I'd like, to, I'd like to see if they get in this year, if he can be a guy that carries his team the same way Brady does, or if he's a guy that just is going to take a lot of chances in the playoffs and get them beat. I like the Chargers. I wouldn't be surprised if there's an all-LA Super Bowl uh, down the road. Uh, Houston beat the Bills 20-13. to uh, Peterman went in uh, for an injured Josh Allen. And immediately threw a pick that sealed the game. And that's not surprising because that's what Peterman does. So, <laughs> Buffalo's looking real stupid for getting rid of Tyrod Taylor because he's just sitting on the bench in Cleveland not doing shit. And Allen's hurt now. You could have easily just played Allen and sat Taylor and then you would have the vet here on, in his last year of his contract and Allen would be able to learn something. All he's going to learn from Peterman is how to fail. So Buffalo's in trouble. Uh, Houston is sitting at 500, and I'm, I'd imagine that Watt and those boys will have something to say about who wins the South. Um, Jets and Colts. The Jets put up 42 points on the Colts. They beat them 42-34. Uh, again, Darnold outplays Andrew Luck. I am really, really pissed off that the Broncos didn't go after Sam Darnold. Like I, I'm, I'm a Jet fan because I played for the Jets for three years. I like my Jets. They're my first team that ever gave me a, a, an opportunity. Until Tom Brady leaves the, the East, it doesn't fucking matter who plays anywhere else. They're going to keep winning the division, and the AFC is going to run through Foxborough. We're going to talk about them in a minute. Um, but I love the Jets that the Jets got Sam Darnold, but I'm a, I'm Broncos first. I grew up a huge Bronco fan, so I, you know, I wanted the Broncos to beat the Jets when they played, and they didn't. I was proud of my boys for doing what they did, and I'll always be a, a diehard Jet fan, too. They're number two on my list. I, I love seeing them mop up Indianapolis like this, and Darnold plays well as he did. They're running the ball really well. Offensive line's playing well. Their skill players are playing really well. Their defense is opportunistic, but not very good in this game. It was just one of those days, but they found a way to win. That's the difference. Uh, Darnold is going to be an absolute superstar. He handles the New York media well. He's only 20 years old. I know he's a USC quarterback, and John went to Stanford, but holy shit, man. I feel like we're going to be looking back on that. I know Bradley Chubb had three sacks. It was all over the place on Sunday. I'm not saying it was a bad pick. Uh, they got the best player available, in my opinion, but, geez, I really wish they would have taken Sam Darnold. Um, the Bears and Miami, uh, overtime game, Brock, the, the fighting Brocks in Miami get a 31-28 win. Um Play calling was questionable for Chicago, running the ball when they had a hot hand in Trubisky, and he was like 9 for 12 on third down. Matt got hurt, so there's no pass rush against Minnesota and what they were doing. But at the same time, you know, it was a very competitive football game, and it came down to the wire. Chicago always has problems when they go down to Miami. Everyone knows that. The 85 team lost down there. 
I can't remember the last time Chicago actually went to Miami and got a W. I don't know if Miami's real or not. I like Gase. Uh, Tannehill and his situation makes me nervous for that team. But at the same time, it was a really, really competitive football game and what you want to see. So the Bears lose one they should have won. Miami gets one they should have lost. Brock Osweiler goes off and plays really well. Again, would he have been a better fit than Case Keenum? I don't know. We're going to talk about Case here in a minute. The nightcap on Sunday night, Kansas City, New England, the 43-40 game with Tom Brady leading the drive. It was the last guy to have the ball. Whoever has the ball last in this game is going to win. I feel terrible for the kid who wrapped up Tom Brady, but the more I watch it, the more I think that he missed the sack. Um, you know, it, it's a wrap-up. Just take him to the ground. It, you're not driving through him or spearing him, so just wrap him up and take him to the ground, Rook, and then you won't have this problem and you won't look like an idiot on national TV. Now, neither defense could stop anybody. New England's defense is super leaky. Kansas City's really fast. Mahomes is real. We, all, we, we already know that. New England has caught up. They went to Jacksonville and got waxed. Everybody thought Jacksonville was legit. They've fallen off. New England learned from that and took off. Um, Sony Michelle for them is killing it. The acquisition of Brown, the big tackle from San Francisco, looks like a great pick. The Gordon trade is genius. You know why? Why didn't everybody else go after that? Because they probably couldn't handle the personality Tom Brady and Billichek can. Um, you know, Brady went out and said that that uh, he thinks Gronk is the NFL's greatest tight end ever. So I started thinking, who are some other great ones? And the list I put together here, in no particular order, Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp, Antonio Gates, uh, the Sandman, Ozzie Newsome, uh, Ben Winter Coates, Kellen Winslow Sr., definitely not junior, uh, Jackie Smith, Jason Witten. So Gronk's right up there. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer and with all the Super Bowl rings and records and everything else that he's meant to that, that franchise. Um, that's a huge win for New England. The last team to have the ball was going to get the W. Uh, Hightower made a play in the first half that essentially won the game because it, it took away a possession from Kansas City. There was one punt in the entire fo- football game. I'm not saying that's good for the NFL, but it's not bad. It's entertaining at least. I'd like to see some defense, but uh, you know, in the top six this week, I'm going to try and explain why defenses are getting carved up on the running game the way they are. A lot of it has to do with the fact that nobody plays the run anymore, and they're super soft in practice, and there's no physicality, and everybody up front thinks they're a fucking pass rusher now, and everybody's just worried about getting sacks. And they're worried, you know, in between the 25s, people will give up anything. But when you get inside the 25s, that's when you play defense in this league now. It sucks, but it is what it is. So New England gets the win. They're probably going to get home field. Kansas City's going to have to finish with one or two losses because New England's not going to lose one or two more games. They're going to finish 13-3, and 12-4. So if Kansas City can finish 14-2, and 13-3, and three, uh, with the same record, they're the two seed. So we'll see what happens there. But that was an unbelievable contest. Um, the game last night with the Aaron Rodgers magic, he was already our Werebands warrior uh, of the weekend playing as hurt as he was and you know, bringing his team back. And you're never, never dead with Aaron Rodgers, ever. C.J. Beathard plays his ass off. San Francisco played honorably. They had been 9-0 and up to that point in the last nine games on Monday Night Football. I thought they were going to win again. They didn't. Kyle Shanahan was, was dialing up some great plays. If Beathard puts that ball at the end of the game on the outside shoulder for Goodwin instead of the inside, King can't pick it off. And San Francisco probably wins. I love that San Francisco went for the jugular and tried to win the game instead of sitting back and just punting and saying, okay, our defense will do it, knowing that Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. You go for the jugular. Um, and then look. That's what Aaron Rodgers does, man. That's why he's the highest play parent, player in football. That's why. Because if you give him the rock at the end of the ball game, 
and say, here you go, brother. He's going to deliver. And look, my ex-teammate, uh, Mason Crosby, bro, so impressed. I know that the Detroit game was awful. People were clamoring for you to get cut. Mike McCarthy rode with you. Aaron Rodgers stood up for you. And you went out last night with four for four, didn't miss an extra point, hit the game winner and a 51-yarder in the game. And that's the Mason I know. When I played with him at CU, that's the best special teams player I've ever played with, ever. He was such an offensive weapon at CU. He must have won a six or seven games my senior year just with that leg. We played Iowa State at home. Our offense scored six points, and he scored the rest and just kicking bombs. I think he made like a 60-yarder in that ball game. So um, that was an unbelievably good contest. San Francisco played well enough to win until Aaron Rodgers decided to do what Aaron Rodgers does. Okay. Broncos. Here we go. 593. I just want to let that resonate. 593 yards rushing surrendered in two weeks. NFL record. Now, you can pick your poison all you want and say that we have to do this or that so people won't beat us, but that's not acceptable. I don't give a shit what is happening. It's not acceptable rationalizing it, saying that, what well, we held him to 23 points. He still lost. You're still 2-4. and four. It's a four-game losing streak, half of the losing streak that was already put in last year. If Vance Joseph is going to lose his job, just get it over with. Do it with a sword. Why is it last year that beating the lowly Jets and shutting them out at home and then beating the shitty Colts in a 10-day span saves his job? And this year, beating a 1-5 in five Arizona team on a short week is going to save his job? Really? So beating three of the worst teams in the league when you're also one of the worst teams record-wise and stat-wise? So that's, that's cool? That's acceptable? That saves Vance's job? Beating Arizona in Arizona and going to 3-5, and five, looking at Kansas City in Arrowhead 10 days later? Probably looking at 3-6? and six, That saves the job? Close calls don't count, man. And if you have a defensive-minded head coach and all this personnel and this depth, which I don't think is as deep as they say they are, what in the hell is going on? 593 yards rushing and then the audacity to come out and say, well, we have to pick our poison. We have to pick our poison. We can only get – we will play the shell coverage and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to see in the top six there's some instances on defense where they're playing really well. But they're also just getting shredded in the secondary, too. And, yeah, the Rams were scoring on offense through the air. It was 25 degrees. It was freezing. And it looked like L.A. was handling the elements in the cold better than the Broncos. Goff looked like he was more comfortable than Keenum. I don't care about Keenum's 370 yards passing in the middle of the field. I don't care. I don't care about the mop-up touchdown to Demarius to make it 23-20. What I care about is Emmanuel Sanders spiking the ball on the one. And getting up and talking shit. Dude, you're such a good football player. What in the Sam fucking hell are you doing? Just get up and go back to the huddle and get the ball on the one and go score. You win the game if that happens. It's significantly different at least. I'm not trying to place all the blame on him, but Jesus, that was terrible. Terrible. And I know you played your ass off after that and you're one of our leaders, but you can't do that if you're one of our leaders. That's a direct that's a direct play that led to a loss. Starting Max Garcia. I like Max, but now Max is starting all year because Ron Leary's out with a torn Achilles, which is not good. 
Ron's one of my guys. I work with him a lot. I'm devastated for him. Devastated. He works his balls off this year to, to be ready to help this football team. So hopefully he can get healthy, and we'll see what happens moving forward with 65. That's not a good thing. Garcia starting at right guard. The first th- two of the first three plays of the game, he was single blocked on Aaron Donald. We did not slide protect to him, and we didn't help on a game call to him in the run game, and Aaron Donald made a TFL, and Aaron Donald got a strip sack or a strip pressure or something like that and turned into an almost pick. And then, you know, McGovern came back in. Why you benched him, I have no idea. It's so stupid to halt progression like that and just play mind games. I didn't know we were in high school where mind games were still cool, but that's what they were doing with him. Um, Billy Turner, I thought he played his ass off again. I don't think that Billy should go to the bench when Valdir comes back. I think that Valdir should push Bowles for his job. Again, the first passing play of the game, first one or the second, okay? They slid protected to Valdir. Garcia got eaten alive, or excuse me, slid protected to Bowles. Garcia got eaten alive and, bit, and beat on an inside move, and Bowles even got beat on an inside move, and they were sliding to him for God's sakes. So the Rams obviously watched the jet tape and saw Leonard Williams lining up in an underfront the whole time, and they exploited it. The Broncos tried to change it with motions and higher, with higher men and things of that nature. But the running game, once again, was underexploited. Last week against the Jets, they had 50 throws and 14 runs and averaged like nine yards a carry. It should be opposite of that. The Broncos should be running the damn football the same way that teams are running it against us. That's the blueprint for Denver to win. Not throwing the ball 40 times a game or more. I don't understand how they can look at Case Keenum and say, this is the best way to win. Come on. You, you know your defense is leaky, especially against the run. You need to play this game correctly and start handing the ball off more, playing more smash-mouth concept, you know, more motion, more pulling, more different looks, run trap, run, run, run two-back power, run one-back power, run counter, tight zone and, and, and wide zone, gator plays. Anything to confuse the defense because defenses in today's NFL, they can't keep up with the run game. They're they're playing too much nickel. There's only two linebackers on the field, and the four defensive linemen are worried about pass rushing, especially when they see 10 personnel and 11 personnel, which is one back on the field, no fullback, and a lot of shotgun. So teams are getting, you know, defenses into these formation problems where the defense comes out with a tight end that can that can stretch the field and a blocking tight end and 12 personnel or an extended tight end and 11 or no tight end and 10 and they're motioning guys and creating all these different looks to see if we're in man coverage and then bam they're creating space to attack space in the run game that's the same damn things the broncos should be doing because they have the ability to really pipe the football on people if they try and if they stay consistent with it which they won't do if the Broncos do end up doing that, man, they will help their defense so much because the time of possession will flip. All of a sudden, they will become the aggressor, and then they'll play with a lead where their defensive players can actually go out and, and make plays and not always be in desperation mode. Oh, man. The D looked unprepared to me. I, I thought that the, the Rams did a really good job of throwing off of play action, especially at the middle of the field. And look, there's guys I work with in this room in the lab here at six zero where they know what GTFB means. Get the fuck back. You're at the middle of the field. It's first and 10 or second and six, something like that. Those are two of the play action downs that the Rams threw at the, the Broncos. You can't get beat over the top for these huge chunk plays to Woods and, and to uh, uh, Brandon Cooks. You can't. 
And Cooks and Cup were supposed to be out. They weren't even supposed to play. They didn't even get cleared till Saturday. They didn't practice all week. And Vance Joseph and Joe Wood's game plan is to let the NFL MVP, offensive MVP, pipe us for 208 with 28 carries? That's what you want to do? That's the poison you pick to beat us? I understand 23 points is nice, and oh, but there's no, there's no wins like that in the NFL. There is no, hey, we gave up 23 points, and we're really, really good because we only did that. We were so close with Kansas City and the Rams. So close. Come on. Why does Vance get to save his job beating the Colts, the Jets, and the Cardinals, three of the worst teams in football when they played? That helps us move forward and get better, or does it just delay the inevitable? I don't want Vance to lose his job, man. I love VJ. He's my dude. The last thing I wanted to do is, is not have success, but the shit is not working, and the players are not responding, and there's a disconnect, and something's got to happen. The longer they wait, the more ridiculous this gets. So what, a 13-10 to 10 victory in Arizona? Because they're going to play really hard. They're going to support their quarterback by lining up with multiple tight ends and a fullback on the field, okay? Playing play-action shot over the head to Fitzgerald and those, those fast receivers. And they're going to lean on the offensive line and Yapati and those boys and hand the ball off to one of the best in the business, David Johnson. And David's going to get his. And Arizona's got to be looking at this as an opportunity for them to get right. So the Broncos can't sit back and make, oh, the Cardinals are bad. We're going to kick their ass. We're bad. They might kick our ass. 593 yards rushing given up in two weeks. Come on, dude. Something's wrong. There's a disconnect. And it's not... It's not just the coaches and it's not just the players. There's certain players that should lose their jobs too. I don't, I don't know the answer, but again, it's not my job to know the answer. It's my job to watch and be like, okay, this is what they're doing. This is how they're doing it, and it's consistently not working. So again, I'll ask the question, why in the Sam Hill is beating the Jets and the Colts last year going to save VJ's job, and then this year a 1-5 win on a short week in Arizona is going to save his job? Really? When you could – Move on from Vance and, you know, maybe put Kubiak back in the head coaching role or whomever, an off, a young offensive mind, maybe make Billy Musgrave the head coach. I don't know. Who really cares at that point? The season's over. And you have 10 days to get ready for Kansas City and there's new blood and new vigor and maybe new guys get opportunities. Speaking of that, with Ron Leary going down, Sam Jones is up. That's why we stay ready in this room, why we grind. A lot of guys on that offensive line that are Dungeon family and in here grinding. I wish Bowles would come in. We keep playing phone tag, but I can't get his ass in the room. It's driving me crazy. I can help that kid. Garrett, I'll say it to you again. Get your ass in the room. I can help you. Or call Mark Slareth and let him help you. Let somebody help you, bro, because your repetitive set pattern and your hands all raised around your waist and the lack of progression mentally that I'm seeing is going to get you cut. Not beat, bro. Cut eventually. So... There's going to be a lot of new faces on this football team next year. Off the top of my head, guys that are probably not going to be back. Uh, Stewart, Roby, Marshall, um, Pecco, Derek Wolf. Jeez, um, man. Offensively, Leary, Paradis, unless they re-sign the Cowboy, which I really think they should. Uh, Valdir, Booker. Uh, I don't think Demarius will be back. So I don't think Keenum will be back, honestly. And and this here comes my next question, okay? Here comes my next question. Is it time? Okay, is it time to tank? 
I saw John Elway at the Oregon Washington game watching watching the quarterback from Oregon or the quarterback from Washington watching Justin Herbert and watching Jake Browning. I think they were there more for Herbert than Browning. I think Browning's played so much that he's kind of hurt his stock. He probably should have left after his redshirt sophomore year, but he wanted to win a national title, and they still may. It'll be a good test this weekend for the Buffs. They're watching Justin Herbert. He played really well. I like how big he is. He's long and big and athletic. Reminds me a lot of Paxton Lynch. I just hope he's mentally a little bit more checked in than Paxton was because he looks very similar. It, makes me, it, it scares me a little bit. But at the same time, the Broncos have to get a franchise quarterback that they draft so they don't pay him a lot. They can build around him like some of these other teams have, and it allows them to go be pretty good. If they're going to have this much turnover next year in the ranks, then they got to turn over the quarterback position too. If they're not going to be productive this year, then Case Keenum is probably gone. And judging by the reaction we saw when Swag Kelly went in just to take a fucking knee last week, which, I mean, Broncos country, man, it's always the next guy with you at the quarterback position. Always. I don't get it. Like, at some point, you got to rally around the guy they have. But, I, I, you know, I know you want to see Chad Kelly. When they're officially done, which could be after this week, Swag Kelly's going to play. I think if a new coach comes in, Swag Kelly will play because there's no point in letting Keenum get, you know, get to all of his landmarks. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards or so. You know, it's, he's not having a problem racking up stats. He's having a problem playing consistent enough and getting uh, support through the running game and the offensive line play consistent enough to be who he was last year. Remember, Minnesota ran the ball 400-plus times last year. The Broncos run, pace run like 300 times, maybe, 280 carries or something on the season. That is horseshit. You can't, you can't expect Case Keenum to be that guy. That's not who he is. You're not supporting him correctly. So maybe an offensive-minded coach will help this team progress. But I don't think – I thought that they'd be 11-5 and five this year. Man, they could be 5-11. and 11. They are bad. They got good players, but they are just a bad, undisciplined football team right now. And it hurts me to say it. It sucks. It really does. But where there is conflict and where there is controversy, there is opportunity. So hopefully some of these young guys can take this opportunity and run with it. Phil Lindsay can get a little bit more vocal and, and lead his team. You know, McGovern's back now starting at right guard. Garcia's the left. Ron Leary's out. Somebody's got to really step up there and support Matt Paradis. They have to stop sliding left to Garrett Bowles. They have to figure out who in their defensive line and the front and their rotation really wants to play the run. Pecco, you're not a pass rusher. Stop trying to pass rush. Wolf, I don't need you to pass rush anymore. Play the run. Uh, Kerr, I don't need you to pass rush anymore. Play the run. Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis. You know, there were several circumstances where I saw Brandon Marshall stopped, not moving his feet, not attacking gaps, not trying to get in the backfield, not mirroring the tailback, just reading the tailback and trying to read and react. I need you to look at formations and guess sometimes to to be right. And we're, we're not seeing that. This team is playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And because of that, they're losing close games to really good teams where they're trying to play up to the competition. And games where they think they're going to win, where everybody tells them they have a chance to, to get a W, they don't go prepared mentally, which is why the Arizona game freaks me out so much. Arizona's looking at it as an opportunity to go pipe the ball down the, the Broncos' throat. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out right off the bat and go max protection and just throw a seam route down the middle of the field to Larry Fitzgerald just to see what happens. That's what I would do. Knowing the Broncos can't stop anything play-action-wise and the amount of find Bradley Roby, run play-action, and throw it where he is, and you'll be successful, unfortunately. So my question again, is it time to tank to get a number one, two, or three pick? Because the fifth pick 
the elite quarterback's going to be gone, and we're going to have to give up too much to get him. Beating the Colts and the Jets last year is the worst shit that's ever happened. It, they would have been 3-13 and 13 and been a top three pick, and they probably would have gotten a quarterback. And then you could have gotten your pass rusher to, to compliment Von Miller, either you know through free agency, or maybe they could have gotten traded for Mac. I mean, shit, if he was available, I'd, be, I'd give up. If we would have gotten a young quarterback this year, shit, I would have given up next year's first rounder for Khalil Mack easy. And who, who else do you want? You want Shaq Barrett? Take him. You want Shane Ray? Take him. Give me Khalil Mack and Von Miller on the same team. That's the circumstances that I saw maybe coming together. So when I'm looking at this, I'm going, okay, beating the Cardinals, is it going to propel us to the playoffs? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to beat Kansas City. They still have to play the Chargers twice again. You know, it's not an easy. They have to play Pittsburgh. They have to play Cleveland. Uh, they still have to play Cincinnati. So they, they got a tough road in front of them. And it's not just going to be a cakewalk like so many think it's going to be at Arizona on Thursday night. It's not going to be. So people need to stop with that shit. So, again, I, I hate that I'm proposing this, but here's the question. And I'll look for feedback at BSN Unchained on Twitter. Is it time to suck for the first, second, or third pick? I say yes. I think they should have done it last year. You know, if you're not going to retain Vance Joseph, which I don't see how you can draft a quarterback high and retain a defensive-minded head coach, I think we should find a great veteran defensive coordinator, kind of like the Rams did with Wade Phillips, and get an offensive-minded head coach out there, the next guy in line that's an innovator, and roll. And, And that's what you have to do. Draft your quarterback and let's go. Don't draft him and then play games with him. Draft him and play him. I don't know if – look, I know Paxton Lynch was was half stupid and couldn't figure it out, and we figured that out after three years. But consequently, when he got that start against the Falcons a couple years ago, he should have just kept playing because then we could have seen if he was our future or if he was a fluke. And it was a fluke. He couldn't play in this league. But if he would have gotten more opportunity that year under Kubiak, maybe he would have developed into a pretty good quarterback. One never knows. So Justin Herbert makes me nervous. Drew Locke makes me nervous. I don't know if there really is a consensus badass quarterback in this draft. I guess we'll see. But it seems like the Broncos are pretty interested in the kid from Oregon or the kid from Washington because Elway, Russell, it seemed like everybody was there on Saturday watching that ballgame. So uh, where the Broncos go from here, I guess we'll figure that out. And we'll see on Thursday night when they play the Cardinals. Uh, Big thanks to NeuroXPF.com and Kyle Turley for coming on the show today. Uh, Remember that you can uh, always go at at NeuroXPF.com and type in the promo code 6015. You'll get a 15% discount on all their products. I love them. And big thanks to WearBands. Go on uh, WearBands.com and type in 6020, and you'll get a 20% discount on that product as well. It's great for all lateral athletes. This is McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. We'll be back on Friday morning after the Broncos play. We'll preview the Buffs and the Huskies from Seattle, talk about college football a little bit, and uh, and we'll, we'll try and wrap up the Broncos on Thursday night, hopefully after a win, but do we really want them to? There's the question. Is it time to suck? And scrap it and get a new coach and get a new quarterback and just start from the bottom and get rid of some of these aging veterans and rebuild? Or is this team ready to reload? There's the question. At BSN Unchained on Twitter for a response or at 60Strength on Twitter or Instagram. I'm Matt McChesney. Thanks for listening. This is McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Remember, the 60 Top 6 is coming later.